Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax. Anything that's going on, any distraction, any concerns, any little lists you're making in your head, trying to remember something you need to do, go ahead and write it out, write it down, and just put it aside. Let's just make ourselves available to God right where you are. Don't worry about doing or saying or being the right thing. Your spirit is already one in him and with him. You don't need to worry about achieving anything or making him happy or glorifying him or honoring him. You're already in the beloved. You're in his kingdom. You're one with him in your spirit. Our problem is our soul. God loves your soul. But your soul has been doing its own thing. And it's made a mess of things. Now, some people have made a bigger mess than others. And some have inherited a bigger mess than others. And we inherit things in a variety of ways. Sometimes it's a belief system sometimes a religious system or anti-God system. We all have challenges in our soul, but your soul itself is exactly what God wants you to have. What's, we, we ask him to restore our soul. Not replace it. Restore and reunite our soul with our spirit. Now, fortunately, God doesn't wait until our soul is fully restored before he begins reuniting our soul and spirit. He starts that process as soon as He quickens our spirit as soon as we're born again. He begins the process of freeing our soul, freeing our mind, freeing our will, freeing our emotions so that our soul can be reunited with our spirit. That's his goal. That's his desire. Now, we've come up with a lot of things we want to do on our own. We our own ideas about what it means to be a Christian, to be godly, to please God, to do what it means to be a Christian, to fit in, to be acceptable. God says those are every qualification that needs to be satisfied to enter his kingdom, to dwell in his house, has already been met. Your your tuition into the school of the Spirit was already paid 
at the resurrection. You just need to show up. I just need to show up. We pay attention in class. We do our homework. We take the tests. We try again. We fail. We succeed. We learn. We enjoy. We learn more than anything about who and what we are. Now, your soul is not who you are. It's something you have. Your spirit is your true identity. You're either dead or alive. Dead in your spirit or alive in your spirit. You're either joined to God or separated from him. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. He separated them from his presence, from him. They could no longer receive the life that they had been receiving. You and I can now receive that life because we've been born again, because God has restored our spirit. We are therefore one in his life, one in his kingdom, one with him. But our soul wants to do things its own way. Change is hard, and our soul doesn't want to change. And it will continue a bad habit as long as it works, which is why things fail, which is why we're caught off guard. We go, God, I've done everything I thought you wanted me to do. How come this still happens? Or how come I keep missing you or making mistakes or misinterpreting? And it's very often because we are still following guidelines that our soul has provided rather than those provided by spirit. Now, for some, let's say for one person, a particular struggle is about their spiritual identity, who they are in Christ. For somebody else, that exact same struggle can be about a wound that needs to be healed or a lie they're believing about who they are or who God is, or about what God's expectations are. So just because we're struggling with something, we can't automatically say, well, that's what this is about. So how do we find out what the problem is? We go to God. Say, God, I'm struggling with this. Is there something we need to talk about? Doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. This is, goes back to why we're always so focused on being able to hear Him clearly on His terms, on your spirit terms. Now, your spirit, remember, hears Him 100% of the time because your spirit is in Him. There's no need for 
translation or interpretation between your spirit and God's spirit because they're one. But our soul does a great job of protecting itself, defending its own throne rights. It's crafty. Your soul trying to maintain its own rights is our greatest enemy, is your greatest enemy. We have other enemies, the, the, the devil and the world system itself. Those are our enemies, peer pressure, time. And then the, the devil himself, that's his job. That's what he was created to do, was interfere with your resting in God, being able to receive his life. That's what God's purposed him to do. It's to lie, to, to deceive, to, to cheat, and even to torment. But for you, your soul, because when Christ was here on this earth, or when Jesus was walking around, when God was in the flesh, he overcame the devil. The devil came to him and found nothing in him. He found no no place to get a hook in. He found no way to, to tempt him or to accuse him or to deceive him. Because he and the Father were one. So the devil, even though he tried, he never stopped. Remember when he drove him into the desert? for that 40-day fast, and he tempted him, and he gave him all these opportunities to act outside of his father, act on his own, and he didn't. He passed all his tests with flying colors. Do you think the devil just said, okay, well then I guess I give up? No, the devil hounded him every single day of his life while he was here on this earth. And he'll do the same for us. We're certainly no greater, no better than, than Jesus. If if the devil bothered him, he's certainly going to bother us. He's got nothing else to do. This is what he does. This is who he is, what he's here for. So we aren't surprised. We're woefully ignorant, but we shouldn't be surprised. It doesn't mean what we think it means. Again, look at the extent of the torment that the devil focused on Jesus God in the flesh. It wasn't because there was an inroad that there was a place that Jesus was weak or that he was faulty or that he had sinned. In fact, it was the exact opposite. When the devil tormented the son, it revealed his union with his father. It revealed his true nature. We don't like that, but that's very often what happens. Our true nature is exposed when things go right and when things go wrong. When things are at their best, when we're succeeding... 
and when we're failing. How we react is very often indicative of what's really going on in our soul, what we're really relying on. And then Jesus also overcame this world, came peer pressure. He overcame time. There was nothing in this world that he needed or wanted. So there was nothing in this world that could tempt him, that could draw him from his union with his father. He overcame the world, and he overcame the devil. But there's one enemy he didn't overcome. He didn't overcome it because he couldn't overcome it, because it wasn't his enemy. And that's the self-life. Scripture is sometimes interpreted as flesh. It's really the self-life, the desire for control. And it comes for you and I. We develop it because our soul's needs aren't met. Jesus couldn't deal with his self-life because he didn't have any. His soul's needs were always met. They were always met by the Father. So he could not overcome the soul's needs, the self-life. So you and I now if we've been crucified in Christ and, and resurrected in Christ and now raised to the heavenlies to, the, to be in Christ, to be in the Father, one with him, joint heirs, co-inheritors, we are in that same relationship with the devil. We have already overcome him. We are in that same relationship with the world system. We have already overcome it. But you and I still have our self-life to contend with. And that's something God has to do on a person-by-person basis. We are not going to be really good at seeing him doing this. Because this is not something that we can learn from, you know, like our parents. You know, just because our parents are, you know, one with, you know, great Christians or whatever, it doesn't translate from one generation to the next. It doesn't translate from the laying on of hands or from your pastor praying for you or from a good church service or from a strong, you know, worship, a feeling of worship. None of those translate into that solical freedom, that solical relationship with spirit. Only God can do it. Only God can restore your soul. But that's what we're here for. 
Now, part of the process is since we now know, okay, we are overcomers of these other enemies, part of our time here on this earth is to be spent learning how that authority and power work. Even while Jesus, God, Spirit, is restoring our soul. Most of the time in this in our soul, God's working on stuff that we don't even know. And most of the time what he's working on, we figure he could be using his time a lot better if he was working on this over here. But he picks what's important to him. And sometimes it's not important to us. And we wish he'd Deal with something else over here. There's an area in your life that you're struggling with. Don't try to fix it yourself. Go to God. Talk to him. What's going on here? Now, sometimes it is a practical change that needs to be made. Sometimes there is a a new habit or an old habit that needs to be overcome. Sometimes just growing up or getting away from bad people who give you bad advice. Setting boundaries or making better financial decisions, for instance. But guess what? God's going to tell you that. He's going to put the right book in your hands or the right person or the right opportunity. Or move that other person out of your life. Or just all of a sudden you'll realize that doesn't bother me as much anymore. Why am I listening to that person? He'll find a way. But he will also take every opportunity we give him to speak life into our soul, to restore our soul. He will take that opportunity. So when you're spending time with him, it's not for his sake. He already owns you. He already has you. You already belong to him. But spending time and being with him and learning and and hearing and loving him, accepting unconditionally what he gives unconditionally, it's for your benefit. It's for my benefit. You know, so often we think, okay, God revealing himself, to me in this great wonderful way or I really have this new insight we feel like then we have to do something with it have to write a book start a ministry share it with everybody we know when most often it's God's just speaking to us over here while he's making the changes that are necessary deep inside And the goal is to free your soul. Your soul has been existing in a prison behind bars without realizing that the jailer came along and unlocked all the cells 2,000 years ago. You're free to go. But you know there's something comforting 
about being in prison? Nobody expects much of you. Nobody expects you to live like anything other than a criminal, a loser, unwanted, unloved. Nobody expects more of you. So we are comfortable in our fear, in accepting the lies. God starts rousting people out of the prison, saying, no, I'm not going to let you stay here. And we resist. We, he comes along and opens the door and says, come out. And we grab the door from him, the cell gate, clang it shut, even if it doesn't lock. We hold it shut and say, no, 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 go somewhere else. Because we're comfortable in our pain. We're comfortable in our fear, our anger, our loneliness. We're comfortable. He says, no, I will not let you live like this. You are free. I paid for your freedom and you're mine. And you were meant for more than this. You were meant for the kingdom, for eternal life. Come out. And so he opens the gate again, and we grab it and we slam it shut. And we, he opens it again, and we grab it, and pretty much we're in a tug of war with God. We're in a tug of war with God over our soul. He's like, no, I'm going to free you. And we say, no, we don't want to be free. God's not going to give up. And the sooner we recognize that, that freedom, as hard as it's going to be, as unsettling, as unnerving, as scary, and even painful. It's what we were meant for, to have our soul reunited with our spirit. So part of the process of, of God opening that door and grabbing you and drawing you out and saying, I'm going to teach you myself how to live as a spirit being gives us a new set of clothes and he gives us new shoes says okay now here's the keys to your brand new car you're going to live in a new house you're going to you're going to live and move and have your being as a spirit with your soul united to your soul the spirit and your body you're going to have to learn to live a whole new way with new expectations for yourself new expectations for god you have right now the power and authority in and over the supernatural realm. It's your soul that's keeping you from exercising it. So he teaches us line upon line. Homework assignment, test, experience, 
failure, mistake, brush yourself off, get back up, try again. The end result is that you would be one spirit, soul, and body. That God's eternal life will flow through your spirit, through your soul, through your body. Filling you. So you don't even know the difference. You can't tell where the body is distinct from the soul or where the soul is distinct from your spirit because you're all one. Just as when Jesus was walking around, he was all one. When Adam and Eve were walking with God, they were one. They were both one with God. They were one with one another. They were one in their spirit, soul, and body. They were complete. That's what oneness is. It's not what we believe. It's not that we all agree on the important things. It's that we are one, spirit, soul, and body. So part of our challenge is to live and move and have our being starting from where we are right now. And just physically, practically speaking, you had to learn how to crawl. Well, before you even learned how to crawl, you had to learn how to turn yourself over. How you how your legs and knee your knees and your your arms worked. How your elbows and your shoulders and your hips worked. How this whole idea of bending, let alone moving forward and learning how to crawl. All these incremental steps that just came about. The the instructions came with the body. Likewise, your soul wants to return to its relationship with your spirit. Your spirit is drawing your soul, but your soul also does desire to be reunited with your spirit. But there's interference there. There's your soul in the cell resisting what God wants to do. Holding that cell door shut. No, I'm. this is my cell. I'm in control of it. I know what to expect. Yes, it's dull. Yes, it's boring. Yes, I'll never get out of here. I'll never get better. But I don't expect more. I'm safe here, even if it's miserable. Because change is hard. Learning how to wield authority and power, that's hard. That's scary. I could hurt people. I could hurt myself. I could be a failure. I could make mistakes. God just says, look, I've taken care of that. Come out. We're going to do this together. He's not going to give up. He's persistent. He's patient. He knows exactly what you need. And he's already given it to you. He's the one who's going to be making the changes in your soul. So you and I can... can Take on, you know, put our time and our energy and effort into learning how to live and move and have our being 
as spirit beings. Going back to the supernatural realm and the natural realm, where we already have the power and authority. Since we already have them, we already have the instruction manual in us. It's like there's we've got all you know a robe with all these pockets, and one of those pockets is the instruction manual on how to exercise power and authority in the supernatural realm. We have to find it. You have to find yours. I have to find mine. I had to learn how to crawl, how to walk, how to run for myself. So did you. Just because my mom and dad knew how to walk didn't mean I didn't have to learn for myself. You have to learn for yourself. You have to learn how to control what you say, control what you think with God's spirit moving through you, your spirit being truly spirit-led, spirit-guided, spirit-empowered. But your soul, again, wants to return and, and be united with our spirit. So we can discern when he's leading us and guiding us and directing us and empowering us and telling us, yes, this is your field. Plow this field, I will bring forth. And we recognize his voice. And we plow the field, and he brings forth. But this is on an individual basis. And so it's going to look different for each one of us. We're going to talk about some things that are in common, and we're going to challenge some of the terms and some of the approaches for our own benefit, not to correct anyone, not to say, okay, if you don't believe this, you are not pleasing God or you're not a Christian or you're backslid or you're for another time. No, whatever, wherever God has you, that's where he wants you. But we all want more. If you want more, just tell them that. Lord, I want more. Stir me up. I don't want to be settled I don't want to be satisfied with where I am right now. So we'll be getting back together again same time next week. Feel free to drop me a line at dianeattherainersclub.org. Otherwise, we'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night. <laughs>